Welcome to the Asbury Free Methodist Broadcast, where today we will be listening to this week's sermon by Pastor Brent Russell. Well, we're on the brink of another new year, and I want to wish you a happy new year. I'm not a big fan of New Year's resolutions, but this time of year is a good time to assess our life. Are we living the life that we want to live? You know, there's a truism in life. If you keep on doing what you're doing, you'll keep on getting what you're getting. Are you happy with what you're getting? thought we would reflect on that for a little while. Peter Gregg's in his book, How to Pray, A Simple Guide for Normal People, tells this story. The tranquility of Guilford's picturesque cobbled high street was shattered one sunny morning by the yelping of a dog and a strange metallic clanging. Suddenly, a crazed greyhound came scrambling around the corner and its whip tail between its wild legs, weaving between shouting shoppers. Frantic with fear, the dog was being hotly pursued by one of those cheap chrome bistro chairs that was attached to the other end of the dog's leash. The chair seemed alive, like a dancing snake weaving and flailing, striking and biting, and that terrified the animal's rear. Well, perhaps the dog owner was unaware of the pet's plight, innocently waiting for the coffee at a nearby shop. A movement must have made the chair twitch, which made the dog jump, which made the chair leap, which made the dog scamper, which had made the chair pounce, which had made the dog yelp, and had shoppers shout, which had made the dog run even more frantically, pursued all the while by this terrifying piece of metal and these crowds of screaming, grabbing strangers. The faster the dog ran, the wilder the chair pursued, pursuit became, the higher it bounced, the harder it pounced, the louder it banged and clanged and zinged on the cobbles. For all I know, that dog is still running. That's a good metaphor for some of our lives. We experience this cacophony of noise in in our hearts and it drives us forward. If we only knew enough to stop and let the noise die down, we might find a better way to live. I was wondering today if, if we could sit down for coffee with Jesus. Now, I know that not all of you are coffee drinkers, and so I'm not sure that you and I can be friends, but I know that Jesus still loves you, okay? (laughs) But uh, sit down with Jesus with the drink of your choice. Isaiah was a prophet about 400 years before Christ, and the book opens up with Israel being in a bad way. They'd rebelled against God. They were religious. They kept all the feasts. They made all the sacrifices, but their hearts were far from God. Here's what God tells them, Isaiah chapter 1, verse 16. Wash and make yourself clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sights. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. Come, now. Let us settle this matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be as wool. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat good things of the land. I like how the New Revised Standard Version puts uh, verse 18. 
Come, it says, let us argue it out. King James says, come, let us reason together. Here's what you need to know about God. God is a relational God. He says he, he wants to talk our lives through, to argue it through, to reason it through. How, how are you living? If you get it right, it says you'll be enriched. If you don't, you'll be impoverished. There is a leanness of soul that comes with sin. Where you do all the right things, but your heart is experiences scarcity. There is a bountifulness of soul for those who walk in relationship with Jesus. This morning I want to read you a vastly edited version of a story written by Robert Munger. It's called, My Heart, Christ's Home. It says this. So one evening, I invited Jesus Christ into my heart, and his arrival was transformative. It wasn't a grand or an emotional spectacle, but an undeniably real experience that occurred at the core of my life. He entered the darkness of my heart, illuminated it, ignited a fire in the cold hearth and dispelled the chill. He introduced music where there was silence and filled the emptiness with his loving fellowship. Opening the door to Christ was a decision I have never regretted and never will. This, of course, is the first step in making the heart Christ's home. Said in Revelation 3.20, Listen, I'm standing at the door knocking. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to you and eat with you and you with me. And in the joy of this newfound relationship, I expressed to Jesus my desire for him to make my heart his home. I wanted him to be perfectly at ease, and, and I offered him everything I had. And as I embarked on this journey, I guided him through the various rooms of my heart. And he was very glad to come. Of course, happier still that I'd given him a place in my heart. Well, the first room we came to was the study, the library. It's a picture, in case you missed the metaphor, of your mind. Here Jesus observed the contents of my thoughts, the books, the movies, the pictures. As I followed his gaze, I became uncomfortable. Strangely enough, I had not felt bad about this before, but, but now that he was looking at these things, I was embarrassed. There were some books and movies that, that were there that hurt. his eyes were too pure to behold. There was a lot of trash on the table that a Christian had no business of reading. And as for pictures on the wall, imaginations and thoughts, well, now that Jesus was here, they were bad. I turned to him and said, Master, I, I know that this room needs a, a radical overhaul. Will you help me make it what it ought to be? To bring every thought captive and make it obedient to you. Surely, he said, I'll gladly help you. I want you to thrive. And when you set your mind on what is true, on what is noble, on what is right, on what is pure, on what is love, lovely, on what is admirable, on what is excellent or praiseworthy, 
you have a way of thriving. What you think about matters. Fill your mind with good things. When you set your mind on things that belong to your sinful nature, it brings death. When you set your mind on what's good, it brings life. Your heart will be better for it. And so Jesus and I sorted through the study. Threw out what needed to be thrown out, kept what needed to be kept. And then our journey continued. From the study, we went to the dining room. The room of appetites and desires. Now, this was a very large room because I spent a lot of time in the dining room and much, and much effort in satisfying my wants. I said to him, this is my favorite room. And I'm quite sure you'll be quite pleased with what we serve. So he seated himself at the table and he asked, so what's on the menu? Well, I said, all things to satisfy my appetite. My favorite dishes include money and academic degrees and stocks and newspaper articles and fame and forge, fortune to side dishes. These were things I loved, worldly fare. Suppose there was nothing radically wrong with any particular item, but it wasn't food that would satisfy. When the food was placed before him, he said nothing about it. However, I observed that he did not eat, and I said somewhat disturbed, Lord, don't, don't you like the food? What's the trouble? He answered me, I have meat that you know not of. My meat is to do the will of my father. And he looked at me again and said, if you want food that satisfied, seek the will of my Father, and not your own presence, pleasures, not your own desires, not your own satisfaction. Seek to please me above all else. In doing that, you'll find what satisfies you. And there at the table, he gave me a taste of doing God's will. And what flavor? There is no food in all the world like it to satisfy. It alone satisfies. Everything else is dissatisfying in the end. When we walk from the dining room to the living room, the room was rather intimate and comfortable, and I liked it. And I had a fireplace and an overstuffed chair and a sofa and a quiet atmosphere. And he also seemed pleased with it. He said, this is indeed a delightful room. Let's come here often. It's a secluded and quiet, and we can have fellowship together. Well, naturally, as a young Christian, I was thrilled. I, I couldn't think of anything I would rather have than a few minutes with Christ as an intimate companion. He promised, I'll be here every morning. Meet me here, and we'll start the day together. So morning after morning, I'd come downstairs to the living room, and he would, would take a book of the Bible from the bookcase, and he would open it, and then we would read together. He would tell me of its riches and unfolds its truth to me. And my, how my heart was strangely warmed. He revealed his love and his grace towards me. These were wonderful hours together. But little by little, my, the pressures of my responsibilities, the time began to get shortened. Why? 
I don't know. But I thought I was just too busy to spend time with Christ. And this was not intentional, you understand. It just happened that way. Finally, not only was the time shortened, but I began to miss a day now and then. And, and it was examination time at the university. And then I had an, uh, an urgent emergency and an urgent meeting. And I missed two or three days in a row and often more. And I remember one morning, I was in a hurry, rushing downstairs, eager to be on my way. As I, as I passed the living room, the door was open. Looking in, I saw in the fireplace, and then I saw Jesus. He was sitting there, suddenly, in dismay, I thought, well, he was my guest. I invited him into my heart, he, he has come as Lord of my home, and yet there I am neglecting him. I turned and went in. Without cast eyes, I said, Master, forgive me, have you been here every morning? Yes, he said, I told you I would, would be here every morning to meet with you. And I felt like a failure. He had been faithful in spite of my faithlessness. I asked his forgiveness. and He readily forgave. Then he said, you've been thinking about your quiet time like you think about school. The more you study, the more you progress. But I am more than just a, a topic to be studied. I want a growing relationship with you. Remember, I love you. I redeemed you a great cost to myself. I value your fellowship. I'm the vine. You're the branches. If you remain in me and I remain in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Well, before long, he asked, do you have a workroom in your home? Down in the basement of the home of my heart, I had a workbench and some equipment, but I wasn't doing much with it. Occasionally, I would play around, and there were a few little gadgets, but I wasn't producing anything substantial or worthwhile. I let him down there. He looked over the workbench, and, and with little talents and skills I had, he said, this is quite well furnished. What are you producing with your life for the kingdom of God? And he looked at one or two little toys that I had thrown together on the bench, and he held one up. Are these the little toys all that you're doing for others in your Christian life? Well, I said, Lord, that's the best I can do. And I know it isn't much. I, I really want to do more, but after all, I have no skill, less strength to do more. He looked at me straight in the eyes and said, would you like to do better? Certainly, I replied. Well, all right. Let me have your hands. Now relax in me and let my spirit work through you. I know you're unskilled, clumsy, awkward, but the Holy Spirit is the master worker. And if he controls your hands and your heart, he'll work through you. And so stepping behind me, putting his great strong hands over mine, controlling the tools, with his skilled fingers, he began to work through me. Oh, there's much more that I still need to learn. And I'm very, very far away from being satisfied with the product. But I do know that for whatever reason, Jesus, Jesus loves working together with me. 
Just one more matter I, I might share with you. One day I found him waiting for me at the door. An arresting look was in his eye. And as I entered, he said, there's, there's a peculiar odor in the house. There's something dead around here. And it's upstairs. I think it's in the hall closet. As soon as he said this, I knew what he was talking about. Yes, there was a small closet up there in the landing and, and just a few feet square. Uh, and in that closet, behind lock and key, I had one or two little personal things that I didn't want anybody to know about. And certainly I didn't want Christ to see them. I knew they were dead, rotten things left over from an old life, and, and yet I loved them. And I wanted them so for myself that, that I was afraid to admit they were there. Reluctantly, I went up with him, and, and we mounted the stairs. The odor became stronger and stronger. He pointed to the door and said, it's in there. Something dead's there. I was angry. It's the only way I can put it. I was angry because I gave him access to the library, the dining room, the living room, the workroom, and now he was asking for a two-by-four closet. said to myself, this is too much. I'm going to give him the key. The problem was that the following smelling room contaminated the atmosphere of the whole house. And even when we were together in the living room, I could still smell the traces of the hall closet. Jesus knew. I knew. It took me a while to believe that the, the stench from the closet was affecting my whole heart. But it was. I had to surrender. I had to give. I give you the key, I said. But you'll have to open the closet and clean it out. I haven't the strength for it. I know. I know you haven't. Just give me the key. Just authorize me to take care of the closet, and I will. So with trembling hands, I passed the key to him. He took it from my hand, walked over to the closet, opened and entered, and he took out the putrefying stuff that was rotting there and threw it away. And then he cleaned the closet and painted it and fixed it up, doing it all in only a moment's time. Oh, what the victory I sensed as the dead thing was out of my life. Then a thought occurred to me that, that I, I had been trying to keep my heart clean for Christ. Started on one room, and no sooner have I cleansed and cleaned it than I went to another room. But the other room just became dirty, and I, I began as the second room, and the dust would pile up in the room I just cleaned, and I was so tired and weary just trying to maintain a clean heart and an obedient life. I just wasn't up to it. So I ventured a question. Lord, is there any chance you would like to take over the responsibility of the whole house and operate it for me? With just, um, just as you did with the closet? You take responsibility to keep my heart and, and what I ought to be and what my life ought to be? I could see his face light up when he replied. Of course, certainly. That's what I came to do. You can't do this in your own strength. That's impossible. Let me do it through you. 
That's the way. But he adds slowly, I'm not the owner of the house. I'm just a guest. I've not the authority to proceed until uh, if the property is not mine. I saw it in a minute, and I dropped to my knees and said, Lord, you have been a guest, and I've been the host. From now on, I'm going to be the servant, and you are going to be Lord. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I'll come in to you and eat with you, and you with me. Where do you see yourself in the story? Maybe you just let Christ in, but he's just still standing in the foyer. Or maybe he's made it to some of the rooms of your life, but not all of them. Here's what I know. We can't do it on our own. And as you go into this new year, you can make all the New Year's resolutions you want, but your own self-effort will not get you to where you want to be. But there we do have one we can run to. So I want to invite you to listen to this song, Run to the Father. Say, yeah, Lord, that's my prayer for this coming year, that I would run to you again and again. Thanks for joining us this week on Asbury Free Methodist Broadcast. Make sure to visit our website at asburyfmperth.com where you can subscribe and never miss a show. If you'd like this broadcast, you might want to check out our Facebook page, Asbury Free Methodist Church. Until next week, take care and God bless.